Hello and welcome to another episode of The Run-In. We are going to do a big preview of the world champs coming up in this episode, looking at all the different areas, when all the timings are and who are the ones to watch as well. But this whole episode is going to have a bit of a sprint theme and actually I want to start by looking back at the British Sprint Championships and the Sprint Relay Championships, which were in Leeds. Uh, Leeds Beckett University and then Leeds University and uh, both of us were there. Um, it started kind of unusually with the, the sprint relay um, at Leeds Beckett University, which was there were loads of teams in the open class and it was an absolute pleasure to be involved in. I was running first leg. I have never done a sprint relay before. OK, this is what you have to understand. And there were many people there running the first leg who were going to the world championships. I was just left right at the back. I was, I had no hope. But I also screwed up the beginning of the race as well. It was all bad and then I managed to claw back a bit at the end. But oh my God, it was intense. How did you find it, Will? Um, well, considering I got drafted into the team the, the day of... Uh, it was, yeah, I found it surprisingly good fun, actually. People are going to get bored listening to this podcast, listening to me complaining over the last few episodes. But um, I was ill for the two weeks leading up to the event since World Cup. So uh, I had very suboptimal preparation. Um, however, I very much enjoyed it. It was my best race of the weekend, actually, the sprint really. I really enjoyed it. Uh, very fast, furious area. Um, very wide gaffling as well for mm. for one section, which really threw you off when people come in completely opposite direction. Um, and yeah, good atmosphere, good arena using the athletics track at the um, at the sports centre, and um, yeah, lots of top international runners in attendance, like you said. So on the women's side, Lizzie Ingham for New Zealand, the whole New Zealand team, in fact, for world champs men and women had turned up. So Tim Robertson was there as well, Joe Leach, Tommy Hayes, Aston Key was there for Australia. Um, and then obviously you had the entire British World Champs team as well. So yeah, really good high quality field and an intense sprint relay, which came down to a very close finish, I think, between um, New Zealand and Fourth Valley. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, was, it got, kind of get, kept getting tighter, um, tighter and tighter as the race progressed because Fourth Valley had very much backloaded their team. They started off with, I think it was Scarlett Kelly. A 14-year-old. 14-year-old started off on yeah. the first leg and actually had a great run. And then everybody, you know, they were just kind of working their way through the field from there. But um, it worked. It worked for them. And they were the top place British team. Now, Will, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, feel, it felt to me at the weekend that it was the best field for a British Sprint Championships that we've had in years? I would, yeah, given the foreign runners that also turned up and the shape that people were in, I would say yes. On the British side for the sprints, for the women, I think everyone was there. Yeah. Um, and um, prepping for World Champs, obviously. And, and this is this comes with the territory of having a sprint for World Champs. People are going to focus on that more. Mm. And the team's not going to be spread over different disciplines. I think for the men's side, the only two people that were missing were Pete Hodgkinson, who's still a bit injured, and Ralph Street, who's over in, who lives over in Norway. So, um, But you replace those with, you know, three very strong Kiwis, Australians <laughs> and South Africans. And um, yeah, really good, high quality final. I think we're probably right. Certainly since 2019, it's the strongest field and probably the strongest one I've ever run in in the last 
five, eight years or something like that. Yeah, I thought it was really, really good quality. And so, yeah, that, uh, I think a, a more technical sprint ruler than I think people thought it would be. And then, because yeah, um, we were looking at old maps, and was like, oh no, is there really that much there? And I think I think everyone was pleasantly surprised, which is the right way around for it to be. Uh, and then, of Absolutely. course, the, the sprint itself on the, the Sunday with the qualifier in the final. Um, my qualifier, I ran right like after everybody else had started because I was on commentary duty. But um, Will, you must have been right in the thick of it. And 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 seeing all that those different heats you know it wasn't like a gaffled relay it was it was way more like spread than that but you must have been seeing people all the time yeah i i personally i think they did a really good job of forking the the heats against each other to the point where you were often running in completely opposite directions to people who you were starting on the same as. so classic kind of elite style um qualification heats three people start at the same time one every minute and you just roll through the start list really quickly in like 20 minutes or so, which is a great way for the organisers to do it because you just you know, get everyone out. But the way that they'd fork the courses, you really didn't feel like you had the same routes. I'm sure you did in places, but you didn't feel like you were running in the same um, the same legs as many of the other heats at any point, you know, maybe one or two, and especially leading through to the finish. But at the start, so it started in the Moore Park, or Hyde Park in Leeds and instantly out of the gun three different ways that everybody went um, over these kind of open running sections then you went into the Leeds Business School which is a bit more of your classic um, university style buildings and then into more of the student accommodation blocks on the edge of the university so wide uh, kind of terrace house streets but that they'd open up the gardens for so you could mm. cut through in various different sections and there were lots, certainly a lot of cut throughs that I missed um, looking mm. back at it. And I think a lot of people missed because it was so hectic having not only all the elite starters at once, but all of the um, other heats and age groups as well. So a lot of people, a lot of controls out yep. there. I'm very surprised there weren't as many missed punches <laughs> as I thought there were going to be. I was checking every single code. Well, I think it's almost because but, there were so many missed punches on the sprint relay that everybody there like, were, there yeah. were loads on the sprint relay. I think everyone maybe took Ten a bit more teams. carefully. Yeah, yeah. I think out of like twenty four teams, ten missed punch. Yeah, <laughs> on the sprint relay, <laughs> yeah. which is not good. No. Um, but I also think that's but, because we're but, not that used to doing. You know, the elites are used to doing the sprint relays. You know, those who make it to a, a world champs, a world cup teams. But really, other than that, there aren't many sprint. You know, we've, it's still only like the third or fourth British sprint relays we've had. So I think people are kind of true getting used to that, and maybe are running too fast because they're with everybody and they don't don't know how to pace a sprint relay yet i don't know yeah i think so and probably maybe as well there's something to do with they're often i guess they're similar features in the forest but they're Mm. often very similar features in um a sprint that can look exactly the same at speed you know if it's a tree on the side of a building one is 60 meters further on than the other it's probably an easy mistake to jump Mm. to that Mm. tree and and get ahead of yourself and i think that happened quite a lot of people mispunched the one after the spectator control where you came out there was one on one tree on one side of the fence and another 50 meters further on on the other side of the fence and people mm. went to either one or the other mm. kind of just following the group that they were in so yeah probably people running a bit too fast get, getting a bit caught up at the moment it there's less time to well it's not really an excuse but probably people were feeling there's less time for them to take that moment to check in comparison to a forest race so there's probably quite a few reasons but they seem to manage it in the uh in the heats 
quite well, so not very good in that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I, and Leeds University is such a like distinct university. It's got so many distinct bits. We'll come mm. onto the levels in a bit, but but those terrace houses that's quite unusual for for a British university now. And um, it's yeah, it was just so yeah, so distinct and so it wasn't it wasn't super hard. The I felt the the heats, but it was hard at speed which is kind of what you need for a sprint race i think yeah and what you need for yeah, a qualifier absolutely. as well definitely and i think there was only i know for the men's uh there was one i think it was heat three a lot of people took a very long slow route choice so then had to really gun it in the rest of the qualifiers so that that heat so everyone made the same mistakes so thought that no one else had and then had to gun it to catch up. So there were there was scope for making errors on the wide route choices that the plans are set up, but I would say not. It wasn't the same as the challenge that was to come in the final, which is very unique yeah. and <laughs> really messed with people, myself included. Yeah, I was going to say, did you get caught out by any of the levels then, Will? I got caught out on number one. Oh on the no! First control. I, lost I got seconds. caught out on number one as well. I don't know if we had the same number one, but I got caught out on number one. I think we did. Yeah, yeah. I uh, went. Yeah. I went. I was so obsessed by that tunnel that that they'd put in the um, in the final details, and they put pictures of the entrances to this tunnel. I was like, I have to run through the tunnel, and I didn't need to. I didn't need to. It wasn't quicker. It's, I think Ben Mitchell said that as well. It's like this, that, that it was so slow. It was so um, slow because you no. went down and up again, and oh no! I, and I didn't see the cut throughs, and it was oh no, it was all bad. Yeah, I missed one of the cut-throughs that did a massive wide route going up a huge flight of stairs and back down to where it would have taken me just 20 metres to run through a tunnel. And <laughs> so I had to do a full loop. It was, it was terrible. So I, I got off to a dreadful start. Um, uh, but yeah, so the, the final, which uh, was... How would you describe the final? It was a multi-leveled mayhem fest yes would that be a fair description <laughs> yeah, i think so i'd go with that the steps were killer and then in and even that bit on the southeast part of the map where there was just like these natural barriers in the way and you had to go really far around buildings and mm. really good route choice opportunities it was like it was very it was very special and very distinct and you could only get that type of a course at leeds university and they really yeah planned it well and you really had to be on your A game all the time. I'm pretty sure yes, everybody absolutely. made mistakes, but it was who made the, the fewest mistakes. Yeah, people definitely made mistakes. Yeah, I think I think everyone did make a mistake at some point. Whether it was just from fatigue, from because it was a long sprint as well, it was slightly overplanned. So I think mm. the winning time was about 15.50. So it's about a minute, mm. give or take, overplanned. Um, the amount of stairs that everyone had to deal with which was a well so to me i did extra stairs i think quite a few <laughs> did as well um the le- the levels because at certain points you had to go up like two sets of levels to then get across to come back down to get to your control and people there's there's quite a few very good pictures on um the uk elite o league oh instagram gosh, page yes. people just stopping on yeah. the flights of stairs yeah. in the shadows like no idea where they are um so that gives you kind of perception of you could see through to where you had to go but the big routes round multiple routes which you just didn't even see mm. um whilst you were running that you had to like stop at the end and go oh right <laughs> that I could have done didn't know that fair enough um but yeah and it was just 
chaotic and it probably led to more mistakes through people trying to find uh, certainly probably me actually i did a couple of routes where i was trying to find simpler routes which were wider which were actually slower mm. because mm. i was in a state of fatigue where i was just trying to execute something and probably couldn't execute the mm. the shorter routes mm. it was yeah. it was it was i really enjoyed it because it was so chaotic i think um it was really it was just really tough and i think just forcing yeah. forcing you to to orienteer at such a pace that where you're going to have enough like brain oxygen going into your brain so you'd be able to make all those decisions and figure out all the puzzles was just was just cool i'm kind of glad i don't have to do that every single time because it would be a, it would be a lot but uh no yeah. i really enjoyed it to be honest i really enjoyed it yeah it, it, i think it'd be a tough one to have every single time but it is i think it is probably our best university area in the mm. country um i mean there might be some other ones similar out there but i've not run there um mm. yeah i agree They're very well planned yeah and then i think so megan carter davis won the women's um she'd had a bout of covid beforehand she wasn't really sure about she her had. form um but she, she you know she said she was just going to cruise around the qualifier and see what happened and she actually felt better than i think she was expecting so uh yep. did decide that she was going to you know full-on race um the final and um i think it was so megan alice uh grace and charlotte ward i can't remember the order but anyway they're the four women who are going to the world championships so that was quite uh, you know they were the top four women in the british sprints as well and then i know uh chris jones won the men's at least for the brits it was actually tim robertson who was who was fastest overall on that course and then i think was there chris smithard in there and um it was chris smithard and then uh nathan lawson were the um top two uh, with the second and third Brits, um, and Aston Key was in there as well. Yeah, as yeah. I think he would have been third place behind Chris and Tim. Yeah, yeah, really, really high yeah, it was quality. Great. Grace and then Charlotte in the in the women's. Yeah, and then um, oh no, sorry, completely forgot. Tommy Hayes was third, then Aston Key, and then Chris Smithard was fifth, and then Nathan was sixth, but then obviously second and third Brits. Mm. but good prep for the world championships with with that field and just getting an opportunity to i don't know just 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 run a proper race so close to mm. you know two weeks out from world championships must be a really great preparation for all those guys who are going yes i think so and um yeah it'd be interesting to see what uh the scores and doors are at the world champs between chris and tim which i think we'll probably get onto in our preview section we but will. it was a very close battle between them they were off in front of everyone else they were a minute clear of everyone else yeah. so um yeah, yeah. shows the caliber of those two compared to the rest of the field yeah and tim robertson won two silver medals at the world cup so you know it's not just that they're, they're the best in the competing in the uk you know they are some of the best in the world but um yeah let's talk about um these world championships then it is uh i can't believe this is uh, that i'm saying it's the first ever sprint only world championships it was obviously meant to happen two yeah. years ago being postponed for two years and uh, if if covid hadn't have happened we'd be talking about an edinburgh world championships this summer so um yeah. that is quite scary how quickly it's come around goodness me but no edinburgh will be in two years time so we will crown basically the first ever knockout sprint world champions um we've never had that in a in a in a world champs before as well as obviously this regular sprint and the um 
sprint relay, of course. So uh, I want to run quickly through the British team selections. So Chris Jones, Ralph Street, Charlotte Ward and Megan Carter-Davis have been selected for all three um, disciplines. Then Johnny Crickmore and Grace Malloy have been have selected uh, just for the knockout sprint. And then Nathan Lawson and Ali Sleek have just been selected for the sprint. So that's how it lines up. Um, so four men and four women going. The first event then is the sprint relay. It is at half past five local time. So half past four in the UK in the evening in a place called Colling. And it looks like kind of quite a standard old city, some small passageways or kind of courtyards in the middle of blocks. And it looks like the arena is going to be right next to this castle, which is on top of the hill. This is all information that uh, anyone can find out from the bulletin, by the way. I have not got any insider information yet from being in the commentary, but it's, this is just from plowing through the 55 page long bulletin that has been published uh, this week on um, on the website. So having a look at that. Uh, what do you reckon about then about We're this spring it relay? So you don't have to. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> 55 um, pages. And I actually think that's quite short, but anyway. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, <laughs> it's killer (laughs) reading this and I'm not going Um, yeah so Sunday 26th it feels weird starting on a Sunday I don't know if that's just me it feels weird starting with a sprint relay that too actually yeah for some reason it feels like Sunday for the sprint relay should be bookending it but yeah I I agree Um, so a couple of interesting things from the bulletin to call out for people so flower pots yeah. Um, athletes may meet 1.5 meter high flower pots. They've been drawn as pro- prominent bushes or small trees. So <laughs> that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, don't run into any of those. Yeah, don't run into any of those. Glad Nathan's not running in the uh, <laughs> in, in the relay. Um, smaller fa- small flower pots are not marked. So that's that's going to be a weird feature. Probably specifically on there because they will put some controls on it. Maybe it's a unique feature of the town. Uh, canopy passages. Athletes may pass through passages with glass on both sides. So doors that they can open. Or I think or the doors, doors will be open. The doors will be or left doors opened. Will be open. Yeah, yeah, they don't have yeah. to open them. Uh, the glass is marked with a, a warning sign. There's an open door next to them. So, so you don't run into the glass? That's slightly strange. So you don't run into the glass. Yeah. And they've got open doors. It's, it's a slightly weird shift in your head to make... Because it's going to feel like you're running inside. Yeah. Exactly. It's a weird one to kind of initially get your head around. But they'll they'll probably have this laid out in the model for people to to get around. And then the other thing is there's many gates in the race area. They'll either be open or closed, and the maps will show their actual positions. So open gates will always be kept open. Closed gates may be open for short periods, e.g. to let cars or people in and out, but they should be closed. So slight recipe for... Yeah. chaos if a gate's left open and but I can believe at the world championships there will be someone on that gate on all of the gates that are either yeah, open or absolutely. closed one, uh, you know want someone there to ensure it is always open or someone there to ensure it is always closed yeah absolutely um, spiral staircases are on the map so probably again and there's multi-level symbols again so that could get quite interesting and then, as has been commonplace now in probably most international sprints, artificial barriers. And looking at the um, the pre-Denmark, uh, pre-Wok camp a couple of weeks ago, the week after World Cup, where the Danish national champs were held, there was a lot of barriers, especially in the knockout. So I think it's going to be a theme throughout the whole week. There'll be artificial barriers in pretty mm. much every single race to create more route choice. And like you say, because it's a... 
a more traditional town centre. There might be those wider route choices, but they want to force you into making big... What It looks like the style of mapping from the Danish sprints anyway, The especially for Knockout. The style was into a map flip, flip the map, big wide route choice, which had loads of artificial barriers on it. So mm-hmm. whether they're going to do that on the relay, you know, through a run-through like we saw at the World Cup, that seems to be the style of planning that they're that they're looking for or that they like to go for. So I think artificial barriers will play a big part. And I think that will kind of mean that even if you've prepared lots with the map and people will have done, you know, I saw Chris Jones handing Absolutely. out his own maps that he's printed, that he's made of, the, of all three areas, that it's going to be, that tries to minimise the effectiveness of that planning because you're not going to mm. have been able to plan for all of those um, barriers at all. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be a tough one. Um, what do you reckon I in terms think... of teams then? <sighs> Oof. Well, it, so they're quite long legs. So 3.8k for the women, 4.3k for the men, only 16, 17 controls, respectively, 60 metres of climb. So I find it hard to see past the Swiss or the Swedes for the win. One, because Matthias Kibbutz for the men is in ridiculous form this year. He is, And looks yeah. stronger than I've ever seen any orienteering athlete ever seems to be at sprint. Um, they've got strong women and they've got good men as well that you know are fast, like Joey Hadorn. I assume yeah. that, that's probably going to be their team. And then the Swedes, Tove can just rip it apart for yep. on last leg and yep. she's so hard to beat I mean you saw Megan had a fantastic lead over her in the final of the knockout in the World Cup and Tove ran her down it was close it was really close Yeah, I think Meg could have won it she thinks she could have won it but Tove's really really good she's it's hard so, to look, in the relay situation it's, it's hard, hard to look past her so I think so, it'll be between those two yeah I, I think you're right it's always been those two teams at the top apart you know in in the last few years apart from one Norwegian win um recently so who's that third place who's that third place team then I mean I think the Brits can get on the on the on the podium um fourth in the World Cup and that was with Ralph and Chris obviously dropping out and Johnny and Nathan being bumped up last minute um and then Meg came down with Covid in the uh the week after that so she maybe could have had a bit more in that final as well, so I think it's going to be a, a uh, it's going to be a stronger team that is at World Champs, I th- and they place fourth against the strongest teams for those countries um, at the time at the World Cup, or athletes that were looking to prove a point, like the Swedish second team who, yep. who won it. Yeah, yeah. Still full of really strong runners, yep. like Lena Strand, Caroline Olsen. They've won medals in the past, yeah. so yeah. Emil Svensk as well. Um, so I think that I think the Brits can definitely get. I I would say they'd be very disappointed if they weren't in the top six. They're oh. for a medal. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. Yeah. I think it's been a disaster if they're not in the top six. I'd say. Yes, I think it's the best team they've had for a, a long time, and yeah. all all of those. So Chris, Ralph, Charlotte, and Megan, all have had a top ten in the world individually, and yeah. Chris and Ralph have had medals at world cup level individually and her megan has as well so it's you know the best on paper who anything can happen in a in a, in a sprint really we know that 
but on paper I think it's the best team that GB's had in in a good number of years just they all mm. seem to be in really good in good form full of confidence and everything at the moment they'll be pushed quite hard by Norway I think as well uh, yeah. and potentially the Czech team Finland. but the, I don't think they're quite as good anymore potentially Finland but still they haven't got four top 10 runners that's no. that's the thing and I think they're stronger on the men's than the women's I think we've got stronger women than the Finns um, and, and, like and the, the men again, tend to I be closer together the women tend to be the ones you know that's actually kind of where it's won and lost in the women's side of things True. on the, the sprint relay yeah. that's where you get the gaps the men the depth of fields in the men is so close that everyone's only just a few seconds apart whereas with the women you're talking more like 10-20 seconds apart so I think that's where it yeah. can be won and lost well, we'll see. Uh, and then there'll be a rest we day. Will. And then Tuesday, it's the knockout sprint in Fredericia. Um, then the qualifier from half past nine in the morning. It's half past eight UK time. Only the top 12 to qualify through to the quarterfinals, which start from four local time. Semifinals from quarter to six. And then the finals from seven o'clock. And this looks a really kind of like the sprint in the Czech Republic uh, last year very very specialized kind of town very grid-like town but then with this big this fort it's a fort town basically there's ramparts there's um contours there's all sorts of stuff there which is going to be very interesting what do you reckon yeah this this is the hardest qualification well actually what knockout sprint at the world cup is the hardest qualification of the year this is probably going to be the second hardest um because 12 athletes from all of the people of the World Cup. I mean, it doesn't go, mm-hmm. <laughs> firstly. Um, it's just going to be so fast and so hard. And with that climb as well, it's going to be really tough. So uh, for qualification race, 2.6K for the women, 29 for the men. Only about 30 metres and 25 metres of climb, respectively, but expecting a win time of 10.5 minutes. So if it's 2.9K for the men, a win time of 10.5 minutes, you're looking at, what, Three thirty-minute k's. Yep. Which for a sprint is is pretty fast. Um, with that kind of technical level. Yeah. Uh, of the that the maps are suggesting as well. Um, late changes. It does say late changes to the terrain have forced the course setter to extend the length of the courses with about one minute. The courses are therefore slightly longer. Than, <laughs> so not I'm what you want to sure. hear on a knockout sprint day. Eh? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I'm not sure what changes that is. Um, the course setter is Rasmus Trainer Hansen, who has got a lot of experience at international mm. level as well. So they're going to be very think, good courses. Yeah, I think and, that really makes a difference knowing yeah. what that expectation is from an international level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's not just going to be a good one for the runners as the, some of these qualifications at Wokard just to ensure the best people are in. You might see some big people miss out here. So we mm. saw at the World Cup, people like Daniel Hoodman not qualifying, Yannick Mikel's not qualifying there'll be some big names that don't go through and just completely screw it up. I don't know who they'll be. No, no. Honestly, but there will there'll be, I, I reckon there'll be someone from the Swiss team, someone from the Swedish team who've got, you know what, five people in the men's side of it? Oh, and yeah. And four in the women's? Yeah, yeah. I think the, because you get the allocation for the defending world champion. Uh, European champion. Sprints, obviously, European champion and the current World Cup leader. Yeah, so, yeah. Incredible. It's going to be 
But I think they, I don't think there'll be as many shocks as there are from the as there were from the World Cup, just because the teams are smaller. So I still think, you That's know, true. I still think yeah. most will qualify, and it should be fairly simple. But it does look like they'll be on the ramparts in both the qualifiers and the finals. This is I want to bring this bit of information in at this point because when so when the organising team applied to use the area and specifically to use the ramparts they had to like fill in it looks like they had to fill in like some sort of application form and then detail like where they were going to run or like how they were going to make sure that they did that they didn't like erode all these banks and erode the grass and everything like that so they're going to put down like a protective surface is going to be like a little passage that they have to run through it reading all of that it's they've and and they've published this translation into english in the final bulletin because they they it's it's public it's public information so some teams will have found it some teams will not have found it so what they've done is they've decided we're just going to put this in the bulletin and this is also the same with there's a package of geodata that's been provided for the embargoed areas so that everybody has access to the same thing so you don't just happen to get an advantage if if you happen to have found this information and another team hasn't so they've really put a lot of information everything that is that is in the public domain they have put it at the forefront and in this bulletin so everybody has access to it which i think is really significant yes yeah absolutely like you said before with um the maps that chris was making that is something it's it's almost like geeking doping Mm. that's been happening of lazy who can geek the most to gain the most advantage um you saw it with the danish team in scotland in 2015 and italy the year before that um and it, it's become the kind of go-to thing to prep for a sprint world champ. Mm. So the fact that they've released that information for everyone, hopefully that'll make sure it's a really fair, a really fair race for everybody. Um, yeah, because was it was it in the Danish you know, team they found out which roads would be closed or and from which times something or like something that, yeah. like yeah. So so which was in the public domain, but obviously not all the t- yeah exactly not all the teams had found out which roads were closed. So they're just making sure everybody has the same information. Yeah, absolutely. Which is which is good. So hopefully it'd be a nice fair final. It'd be um, it'd be a good one to watch. Fingers crossed as well. There's not as you pro- everyone probably heard in the previous podcast with Johnny after the World Cup. There's not the calamity of protests, people crossing out of bounds, mm. all of that stuff that happened at World Cup, which really soured the knockout day. So, fingers crossed, it all goes smoothly, and there's no one who inadvertently or on purpose cheats. And, yeah. and does everything yeah. because there yeah. is the risk of that I think with with the knockout because there's more people starting the EU and all that kind of thing yeah, to, yeah. to get back onto the group so it's going to be a very intense one um, just looking through the bulletin to say there'll be a map flip at some point along the courses in, in, in each round um, so the way that they were playing the courses as I said before in the um, at the Danish Champs was to do a kind of a long leg towards the map flip short mm. punchy leg do the map flip and you're instantly into a big long leg starting to head back to the mm. arena so that seems to be I think a decisive moment could come in all of these knockout rounds where if someone pre-plans in the, in the group that route for the long leg and really go out and execute that coming back they can break away and try and get a gap to the group and try and you know break away mm. so that's going to be an interesting tactical one depending if the better navigators or the faster runners try and do that I think that'll we might see something like that. People trying to break away midway through and not just rely on a sprint finish. Yeah. But there doesn't seem to be any runner's choice looking through the bulletin. There's no... Not from what we can see. ...provision for that. It looks like it's. it says it's either going to be straight 
you know the same same route for everybody or forking with um with loops basically mm. which is quite we've so, had a lot of runner's choice recently so it's going to be interesting that there doesn't seem like there's going to be any yeah i don't know if maybe they're doing that for tv to keep it more simple i don't, I don't know i know they but. do always everybody does always complain when there's runner's choice for um tv so um like i don't if everybody feels like they, they can't really get their heads around it or it doesn't quite work for a non-orienteering audience or something like that, you know. Mm. Yeah, so maybe that's why. Maybe that's why they're doing it, but who knows. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll go through the runners and riders, I think, after talking about the sprint, because they're going to be kind of... I think we're going to be talking about the same people. Um, yes. So the sprint then is on the Thursday with a qualifier from half past nine in the morning. Um, that's local time. And then finals from uh, just before six o'clock local time. This is a bit easier, the qualification here, isn't it? Yes. Yep. So 45 men and women qualifying into the final from three heats. So 15 from each heat instead of the 12 from before. Yep. So a little bit more allowance to go through. I think for the Brits, everyone should be qualifying. Yeah. Really. I'd be very surprised if they don't. Um, uh, they. I think everyone qualified at World Champs last year for the sprint. I don't think anyone did something. Though Cecilia that. missed out. I think she was the only one. Oh, Cecilia. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, hopefully everyone qualifies this year. Yeah. And... Touch I think I think they can. Yep. So, I yeah. think they can. I think it's within everybody's um, within everybody's capabilities. We've got such a strong team that yeah, I agree. Uh, and again, it looks like quite typical cities, kind of quite like Colling in that it's. I think we'll see lots of barriers. Um, there's kind of mixed mixed types of buildings and everything. So I think it should be fairly, kind of fairly standard. Everyone will have done all their geeking, as you said. Mm, yeah, ninety meter high slope on one end of the embargo area cut by deep ravines, partly vegetated by deciduous forest, so you could have a little bit of interest there with um, a bit of forest dough in the middle of it, uh, railway passages that pass through tunnels in several places, so big wide route choices probably to expect as well to keep people separate, so yeah, it'll be an interesting one, that one. Um, Alright, so who yeah. who are you, do you reckon are the ones who are really the ones to watch for the individual then? I'm Both the, the knockout and the the like the individual sprint you want to start with women's maybe that's the easier one yeah yeah i think it could be the easier one um tova, so from, obviously. yeah so to, tova is definitely the favorite um i don't really see i don't think simona abbas would be as close to her this year as she was in walk last year in the forest um i think Teresa Yansakova probably won't be as close either because she seems to have had a bit of an off-season and been a bit ill. COVID impacted quite a few people. Mm. Um, I think Meg Carter-Davis can, obviously British bias, but I really think that she can get on the podium, yep. get a medal. Um, I think she's running more than well enough to do that. She's been you know, that, that kind of step ahead of before World Cup and Charlotte obviously smashed the individual World Cup for the uh, the British team, but she was ahead of the rest of the the girls all year really yeah um obviously close followed by our sleek so but 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 both of I, those I, could could be in for a top 10 even a podium as well you know to be oh, honest ab- yeah absolutely i think they can they can all get a top 10 alice was fourth last year yep there's no reason why she can't do the same again um charlotte seems to be in the last few weeks got back into similar shape as well yeah. so all of them could aim to get onto the podium i think meg can really challenge uh, be one of those people who can challenge tove i don't think anyone from the danish team no, will do it. No. They just don't seem to be on that that level this year. Um, 
I'm trying to, I mean, her closest challenger might come from inside her, inside her own team. Yeah. From someone like Hannah Lundberg. I was going to say, absolute star, still a junior, absolutely amazing. Yeah. But it does kind of feel like from the World Cup, it was the closest that some of them, she seems to be getting challenged a bit more. And I think she really enjoyed mm. that challenge from Meg in the knockout sprint final. And I do think, you know, maybe people are coming closer than they ever have before, even if it's not yeah. the usual, not as usual, the usual names like Simone Abbasol, she was saying. And she does weird stuff. Like, Tove does weird things. She does. Like, last year, she did some weird route that no one else did mm-hmm. through, the, through the arena. Um, the sprint relay at World Champs this year, she took some really maverick route to the last control that wasn't even a route. It, it didn't look like in the sprint relay. So she can, she could also throw yeah. it away because yeah. she's not without scope for error. And She's then there's a lot of runner. people who are there who are ready and waiting. Eleanor Ross as well yeah. has had a really great, um, really, really great and, year as well. Andrina Benjaminson for Norway. Yeah. She could be up there. She's been up there at the European Champs last year. Um, she also lives in Aarhus in Denmark as well. Mm. So it's almost like a home world champs for her. So yep. she could really, she's probably looking to put in... You know, just like it was in Norway, she'd be looking to uh, add it as a home world championship. Yeah. She's been there for the last three or four years or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd say they're probably a good collection of people who will be going for it. I don't know if anyone, don't think any of the French will challenge. Um, but we could yeah, get some real outsiders. Some you know, we had Isaac von Krusenkrenner winning the the sprint last year. I think you're more likely to get those from the men's maybe, an outside winner. But, you know, the Finns and stuff, you know, there's a lot True. really now working on just the sprint only that we could really see. August Molena in Sweden doing really well at the World Cup. So, yeah, what do you reckon about the men's yeah. side of things then? Men's side of things. I was just thinking, actually, for the women's side, there's that Dutch girl as well. Uh, Eve van Dongen. She's really good. I can't remember her name. She's very yes. good. So she could be a bit of a dark horse. Yeah, absolutely. That is going to be my call. Um, men's side, I, I think for the knockout, um, Ralph Street has performed exceptionally well in the knockout all year yep. um, for the Brits. He, until the World Cup, he was undefeated, I think, in knockouts that he participated in during the year. Quality stats. Um, so quality stats. There you go. And he is, he's probably got a bit of anger for following the world, what happened at the World Cup and that debacle as well. So. You don't want to cross, cross Ralph when he's angry. You don't want to cross Ralph when he's angry. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I think he'll, he'll be really good. I think Chris, could be, Chris will obviously be really good. They're probably the two stand-up people from the British team. I think the British men will expect to qualify for the various things. Like they'll be in the finals or in the mm-hmm. knockout finals, whatever. Yep. It's just how far through they get. But I think Chris and Ralph can definitely get on obviously get on the podium um i'm pretty confident chris will get a medal in the individual um i'll i'll go for ralph in the knockout just to split out a bit <laughs> chris is obviously running he's had the disappointment lately of not qualifying for the commonwealth games team yeah um despite meeting standards so he'll probably be running with a bit of anger from that yeah maybe and yeah. wanting to to prove that he is you know a true welcome the true world class athlete that he is um to those world selectors so I think, and he's in really good shape. He did a session today, I think, as the day that we're speaking, that looked horribly fast um, <laughs> that he put up. So he's and in really fa- good shape. And yeah, he, and the fact that he was still in the top 10 with his SI, like his SI switching off, his air switching off at the, you know, in at that individual in Sweden, like he's really yeah. got and the potential. COVID. And with yeah, Yeah. So I think Chris, I think Tim Robertson yep. is definitely in the shape to win it. He's said... 
um, already this year that he feels he's in the best shape he's ever been in. Yep. Which is a dangerous thing. So he got a medal last year. And yes. if it is, he said, I'm already way beyond what I was last year. That's, I think. Well, I he think did have a tough season going into the World Champs last year. Like, he was very surprised to get a medal, I think, in the individual sprint yeah. because of from the season that he'd had. So, yeah, he's firing on all cylinders. Casper yeah. Fosser. He never does anything wrong, it seems, as well. Oh, yeah, he's, he's so solid. Consistent. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. Um, Casper. I don't think he'll he'll medal. He, I don't think he'll medal in the individual. He might get through to the knockout final. Um, I, I think that it's I think it's Tim, Chris, and Matthias for the individual mm-hmm. for the men. Matthias Kibbert, I, I do think he's a step above the other guys, but they can beat him if he makes a mistake. But the way he's been running this year just seems to be oh, he's in such good form. Yeah, yeah. So he, he he seems miles above the rest of the Swiss, and the Swiss are all really strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the Swedes will definitely challenge. You know, I'm not sure which one of them. That, really, that's the thing with Swedish. There's all of them who are kind of in the same, and someone. one of them will have a really good run, I think, because there are yeah. enough of them. Yeah, Isaac Isaac won't Isaac won't win. He seems to have been in bad shape all year. He wasn't running at World Cup, so he, he, I don't think he'll defend his title. No, I, um, I don't think so. But Casper Fosser as well, he had a stress fracture, another stress fracture this winter. He managed to race kind of not in the greatest form, but I think he, that man knows how to put himself through some pain to win a medal. True. Yeah, and it he might does. mean that he has a very short career because of it, but he knows how to put himself through some pain to win a medal. So I'm, I'm feeling he like does. don't count him out. It's just, for me, it all depends on like how much completely gunning it at the world cup will have impacted his last couple of weeks of prep into the world championships um and whether he's actually maybe he shouldn't have done that and maybe he should have waited until the the world champs to to come back into running who i mean who knows i have literally no idea maybe but we'll i will see he didn't run nuclear which a lot of people didn't run nuclear hardly anybody ran nuclear just gone yeah um so I think like by, Gustav Bergman uh, and, and and um, Tim Robertson were pretty much the only people who ran it f- who were competing at least uh, in those Aston Aston, oh, Key Aston ran it yeah ran as well um, yeah he was on first leg I, I guess yeah. He's, he's yeah he was on first leg he was leading it for a while actually he was out in front which is quite cool to see um, uh, so yeah I think I think Aston could be a dark horse for a, a top ten I yeah. think he can he's definitely in very good shape he can get top ten um, he was really annoyed with his race at the British Sprint Champs final so he could have been a lot closer to Chris mm. and. Tim, um, I think the Kiwis in general are a very strong team. Yannick Mikels, I don't know if he's been in quite the same form as he was last year. But yeah, he's always there. I get the sense. In Wojtek Kral as well, I don't really know what's happened to Wojtek Kral because he wasn't at the World Cup, but he has entered for the World Championships. So again, yeah, maybe I'm he's just sure. had a bit of a tricky, uh, a tricky one. He's always good at a knockout as well. He is always. Yeah, he won, won the first knockout. few knockouts that we had. Um, yeah, yeah, in the World Cup. So, so you never know. I think he could do it. I think he's the Czech's best chance. Thomas Krivda is very fast, but I think Wojtek does have the tactics on him. He does. For the, for the knockout. So. Yeah. He knows There's a lot of names there. I don't think we narrowed it down. <laughs> I don't know. You said, you said Chris, uh, Tim and Matthias, I think. That's what you yes. said. So yeah, we will, I think that'll be the medals We the will wait and see. Yeah. We will wait and see. Honestly, I, I think it's going to be such an exciting um, race. Um, if you can afford to buy a ticket to watch the live stream, we lovely to have you along. I think genuinely think it's going to be one of the best, uh, you know, best 
productions and races and everything especially for a british audience um for a long time so couldn't recommend it highly enough following these races i think it's going to be super exciting and they're going to i already know there's going to be a lot of brits there as well watching a lot of those who are part of the uh, team for edinburgh 2024 are going to see how it's done in denmark and learn all of those things so i'm sure i'll see lots of people out there um who are taking in the whole atmosphere, taking in the whole technical side in, of things as well. And I'm sure I will try and uh, grab one of them to, to do a podcast at some point, because I think it'd be really interesting to see how that build up is going to good. that, um, yeah. to the Edinburgh um, World Championships. Um, it's going to be incredible, to be honest. But uh, any final closing thoughts from you, Will, on, on the, the prospect of this world, uh, this world Champs? Oh, I hope we see a, a new world champion, not from Switzerland or Sweden. I, I, I think it's just time. There's there seems to be a lot of domination, and I think it'd be good for that cycle to be broken, whether it's by a Brit, um, a New Zealander, Belgium, whatever. I think I think we need some uh, someone new to um, to break the cycle. But uh, I think it'd be a really good. One. It's going to be interesting to see how a sprint only world champs feels as well, compared to it being a, a bigger occasion than just a World Cup feeling. So um, and yeah, it's going to be. I think it's going to be good to watch the world, the uh, the knockout final ever world champs. So yeah. that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be a very interesting watch just to see how people race it, to see what they do. Yeah, I think I think someone could go because it's because everything's followed a pattern so far. I think someone's going to try and break that pattern because it, they're going to be super desperate to be to be named the first ever world champion in knockout sprint. Yeah. Anyway, I it's going so. to be super, super exciting. I'm sure we will catch up um, after the championships with um, with the team, see how they've got on, get all their thoughts on how it all went. Good luck to everybody who is listening, who is who is going, who is going to be racing there. It's going to be incredible. And we will catch up with the podcast after the World Champs. We will see you then. Bye.